Hey friends, I wanted to drop in real quick and do a pre-intro intro of sorts for this episode. There were a few technical difficulties as we were getting set up, and we even had uh, one audio dropout, I think. And in all of that, I forgot to give the Soundstripe guys the opportunity to plug their service and where you can follow up with them online and all of that. So if you're somebody who creates content and you're looking for music to license out, uh, this, these guys have a really unique business model, and check them out at soundstripe.com. And if you're somebody who creates music and you're looking for opportunities where your music can be licensed out, uh, go check them out at soundstripe.com slash become dash a dash contributor. Now, these guys don't take on a lot of new composers very often. They like to keep things uh, tight-knit um, and small in that way. But uh, in any case, do check them out because it could be a good opportunity for you. Reach out to those guys and uh, something may come of it. Um, And I'll have this all linked up in the show notes as well. But in any case, just wanted to uh, drop in and correct my little uh, faux pas there. All right, now on to episode 47. This is episode 47 of The Modern Recordist, the podcast where we talk all about designing and living your life as an extraordinary artistic visionary. On this podcast, we sit down with musicians, songwriters, artists, producers, and all manner of artistic visionaries to learn exactly what we have to do and who we have to be to create meaning and live out our artistic visions. I'm your host, John Stinson, a Nashville-based producer and recording engineer, a collector of experiences, a lifelong learner, a lifelong teacher, and an artistic visionary in my own right. And I welcome you to episode 47 of The Modern Recordist. Sitting with me in the studio today, I've got a few folks, a group of entrepreneurs and musicians. These guys have an innovative company in the music licensing space, working in partnership with a very select group of composers to create a catalog of music for content creators to license music in a forward-thinking way. Also with us is one of the composers that contributes to this licensing catalog. So we've got a nice spread of creative, musical, and innovative minds hanging out today. It's nice and cozy in the studio with uh, four of us hanging out today. And uh, I'm looking forward to what fun places this conversation is going to take us today. And uh, I know you're going to love it too. I've enjoyed connecting with these guys. Before we turn the mics on, they've got some great energy and uh, great ideas. So all you modern recordists, please welcome to the show Micah Sanon and Travis Terrell of Soundstripe, along with one of the composers that contributes to the Soundstripe catalog, uh, jamming us in with his song, uh, Novocaine. Novocaine. (laughs) We've got a composer, uh, Stephen Keach. Let's jam in.
Killer. Right on. Thanks, yeah. guys. Thanks, yeah. guys, for being Thanks. here. Thanks. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah. So uh, I, I got I got your last name right, didn't I? I felt like I, you did. I, I felt a little bit I felt a little bit uh, self conscious there. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I'm from Texas originally, and it's Terrell in Texas, and to all the Yankees, it's Terrell. Terrell. Okay. Yeah. I've literally <laughs> right asked him for five years. I've been asking if he has a preference. <laughs> I really don't, but nice. it is Terrell back home. So you cool. actually got it correct. Cool. <laughs> right on. Well, I'm uh, I'm from the South. I'm a Nashville native. So I'm, Are you I'm really? From, yeah, so I'm from the South. Uh, Rare breed. But everybody, they're like, well, you don't sound like you're from here. And I'm like, I, I don't know. I, I don't, whatever. But It sounds pretty, yeah. yeah. I, would, I would not guess. Yeah, so. Well, Killer, uh, thanks guys for, for, for dropping in today and for hanging on the show. It's going to be great. Um, yeah. yeah, you guys. Uh, uh, so, Steven, we play, that was a song, that was something you composed. Yeah. For, um, for the, the Soundstripe catalog. You want to, why don't you talk about, let, so we just heard that song. Let's start the show off that way. If you want to okay. like, talk uh, about that for a minute. Yeah, I actually, uh, I recorded that song, uh, surprisingly, in 2008. So cool. it wasn't originally <laughs> for Soundstripe. That was a while ago. Yeah. Uh, and it just never got released, and I had now. Whenever I I met the Soundstripe team, I had, you know, a ton of just like stuff sitting in a back catalog that I didn't know what to do with because, mm-hmm. you know, it, it might not be something that I was going to release on my own, or, um, you know, I'm not necessarily going to pitch it to Katy Perry. So right. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, I just uh, was able to kind of dig through some of those old things and kind of give them new life and remix them and um, add other elements and chop them up and and that was one of those things and I always really loved that uh, the energy of that uh, that song is just very rock and roll and very uh, just punchy and everything. Right on boxes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And. Uh, <laughs> And so, yeah, it was really great to be able to have somewhere for this track to go, you know, yeah. have a purpose for it. Yeah, Ryan. killer. Yeah. So so you're one of the, the, the uh, composers that contributes to the Soundstripe catalog. And yeah. then... Uh, and then Micah and Travis, you guys are the uh, you guys are the, the operation of Soundstripe. Yeah, Travis yeah. and I are the founders. And we, you know, it's been, what, three years or two, two years? I mean, the site's been up for a month and a half, but... Right. We, it's an idea we've been working on for about two years. Uh, we originally started as a production team uh, six years ago and um, started. we started doing artist records. That graduated into film scores. And then we realized uh, we had a bunch of music going nowhere on our hard drive. And then we had a bunch of other friends' heart, you know, music... Yeah with you know on their hard drive yeah just going nowhere yeah you know like well i have 30 songs that are just sitting here so yeah pitches that didn't land for whatever jingle that came in yeah that, you know night it's nine at night and they needed it at 10 in the morning and right you're up all night wired hair and they're like competing with a thousand other composers yeah for the spot so we just choice. decided to do something about it yeah. and uh that that took two years to <laughs> figure out so so <laughs> you, two years so you guys um so you, so you guys were writing and composing and all that stuff, yeah. working with a bunch of people, and then uh, and and at that time it was uh, it was specifically at that time for 
like music or for uh, uh, film and, and, and licensing efforts and things like that. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's where we came. I mean, for us, we got into artist productions, but both Travis and I, like not, neither one of us are real strong lyricists. Mm-hmm. And so we've always found ourselves really enjoying so the musical. Were side you guys of writing together at the time? Yeah. The so Travis okay. had a little bedroom studio, and I had a little bedroom studio. And one weekend they became one. Yeah. And it was cool. Beautiful. Like so many other people here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, That's how yeah. It we just started working together, and we quickly transitioned out of the artist thing. Quite frankly, because objectively, from a business standpoint, the market of people that we knew was particularly the, the Christian music industry. Mm-hmm. And there's so many really, really talented Christian music producers mm-hmm. here in town already that have either been here 20 years or like kind of new and hot in the last five. And for us, it was like, man, we could do this rat race or we could figure out how to do something else. So mm-hmm. that's when we kind of launched into Jingle Land and doing some like independent films and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And then we ended up with all this excess, like Keach was talking about earlier. It's like pitches that you didn't make. And we're like, I wonder if we chuck these up on the internet, if somebody could find them useful, we can make a little bit of money. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of the origin of the idea. And when we kind of got going, we had a little side up. It was crap. It didn't do anything. It didn't, you know, it was awful. We're not tech people. Mm-hmm. Um, but a bunch of our buddies were like, Hey man, like I, you know, I've got a bunch of stuff too that like was songwriter pitches that didn't make it. Gee, you want to, you know, you, you want to do this too? Yeah. So that's kind of where that cool. All started. So you just started collecting Ended up over time was like collecting this catalog of yeah. people in the community and you're kind of, you built this sort of database of it, I guess. Yeah. And, 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 uh, and it was just, you kind of just made it available. Well, yeah, it was, less. I mean, for us, it was really, it was insane because it wasn't just, it was people like Keach who's like really good at what he does. Mm-hmm. So it's not that they're like throwaway stuff. It's just circumstantial. I don't have a place for this, mm-hmm. uh, but it's, it might work really great for whatever, but you're not necessarily going to go out and try to pitch it to freaking Coca-Cola for two years or whatever. Right. It's just like, eh, like I don't have time for that next thing. Right. And so it's a bunch of really, really great work from really talented people that was just sitting there. But it's a little bit of a different model in terms of that it's not about, um, it's not about kind of writing to, uh, like a, uh, uh, like a custom brief or something that comes in. It's a little preemptive. (laughs) Yeah. So what, when we started doing, uh, film and jingle scoring about three, four years ago, um, we would get an email, like so many people do, a brief. Um, we would hustle, stay up till 2 a.m. making it, and uh, send it in. And we realized that only, a, you know, 100, to 300 people had done the same thing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and then may it, um, it may or may not have gotten even listened to by the person that needed to be listened to. Oh, yeah. Are we good, Keach? Oh, um, the, uh, the screen, uh, the screen went to sleep. I'm going to, I'm going to, um, I'm going to check on that real quick, but, uh, we can write a song. You yeah. Sing? You can write a song. Yeah. 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 Okay, I got good. this. <laughs> no, but, um, uh, no, that's, uh, you, how about, uh, I'll check on that real quick, but in the, in, while I'm checking on that, um, maybe you can talk about at what point did it become, um, something that was kind of like this, you know, you kind of, well, we'll just, Maybe we'll do this. We've got these extra songs hanging out. Sure. And then, and then, uh, you know, we're gonna throw them up online and see what we can do with them. Yeah. To yeah. 
we're gonna be we're gonna we're gonna like um, this is gonna be, be intentional life. about this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sure. And while you answer that, yeah, I'm gonna yeah, be stepping here real quick. Do your thing. Uh, really, the big one thing that Travis and I committed to, and I don't even I don't know if we've talked about this or not, Keach, right. but um, we committed when we started working together in like I think it was like early 2010. We had, and this sounds really counterintuitive, especially for a podcast like this, but we were not going to depend on our talent and creativity alone to pay the bills. Yeah. Um, and the mentality behind that was just that you can be the hottest guy in town one day getting crazy amounts of budget and getting all this attention. And all of a sudden some new kid moves in with some new tact and mm-hmm. some new rich dad mm-hmm. and you're just put out of business. Mm-hmm. And so it was just like kind of the risk to reward ratio was just a little too sketchy for us. And so we started going through a series of ideas of, you know, what's something we could do that would, we started a real estate wholesaling company to try to support our studio habit. Mm -hmm. Like that's a real thing. We knocked on doors and tried to buy people's houses. And so, so what point was this going on? That was like, this um, was four. That was before you, you're still kind of like, Composing to briefs and things like this. Sure. Yes. As before, you'd really kind of right. started to transition to this other idea. Sure. Totally. Oh, okay. that was yeah, a few years ago for sure. And so, th- so you're thinking like, okay, well, we kind of need to have some some sort of kind of like more or less day job type of thing. Something for a minute. needs to happen, and, well, and yeah. that was the deal. The, the real estate thing was just insane. But um, the the rest of it, you know, are just other ideas of like, what can we do to creatively support what we do and what we love and still be in it. And that's what the real estate thing was kind of harebrained. But with this, it was like, we have friends that have the same thing. We know that there's a stock music licensing space right. out there. It's, yeah. it's being done. Right. Um, but like, it kind of just found us almost like we ended up with a really, really good catalog. Mm-hmm. So I, th- I mean, to me, I don't know where along the lines it was like, let's get serious about this. But like one day Travis called me and was like, Hey man, so I hired some people. I was like, <laughs> what are you talking about? He's like, yeah, there's these two, there's these two crew guys and we're tour guys. So we were out on the road or whatever. He's like, I found these two crew guys and they don't want to be on the road forever either. So they're like going to do like marketing. I don't know what they're going to, we're just going to go for it. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so we had our first staff meeting on that Monday and it was cool. just like, and, and, and so was that like two years ago? Yeah, this was okay. probably, Two yeah. and a half, three yeah. years ago. Okay. Yeah. This is before we even like founded the company. <laughs> okay, yeah, My sure. Air quotes won't show up right. on the podcast, yeah, yeah. but uh, before we were even formed. Um, and so at that point, it was like, okay, let's start figuring this stuff out. We didn't know what we were doing. but I think it all made sense at the time because Mike and I had been... Uh, uh, air quotes committed to each other. Um, <laughs> I'm really, married, by the way. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, totally. But I mean, really partners in crime business creatively since 2010 so we were just in it when we were Mm -hmm. going to make it work and i think that's a lot of the entrepreneur in you uh it's gonna work i mean you're gonna make it happen or you're gonna starve right yeah or uh and 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 this is all that i have you know if and so we really didn't have a backup plan um we just knew that we had to do something. Yeah. Yeah. And um and so we came up with this idea. And it's really evolved into a lot of other things too from that. Like right. for us it's you know, now all of a sudden there's like all these branches mm-hmm. that have stemmed from that singular idea of like let's give our let's license our music to people who need it. 
Mm-hmm. And now there's like a whole, like now there's philosophies on stimulating an, an artistic economy and trying to support, like let's play the salary over the lottery game instead of trying to get the, the $80,000 land. Let's get $80,000, $1,000 lands, like, or mm-hmm. $800,000, $10 lands or whatever, you know? Um, so that, all these kind of ideals and these philosophies and like we've learned a lot about what it means to run a culture of a company mm-hmm. um, what it means for us as composers like we're super our business model has shifted into this thing where we're not just opening the doors to anybody mm-hmm. we're very specific about who is on our roster and uh, it's definitely turned into a lot more of a community culture type mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. and you know, it comes with its struggles. It's like we're we're a bootstrapped company. We, sure, we're self funded. Tra- all of Travis and I's um, studio work, all that cash goes to this company mm-hmm. and has for the last five years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so we still we still to this day have day jobs, mm-hmm. and we hope that changes here in the next about six months. And it looks like it's going to, but you know, don't count your chickens. Yeah, yeah, killer. So you guys, you guys are. Um, composers on the platform as well yes or <laughs> yes we do when okay. we have time yeah. and uh last week we actually uh we needed new tracks so mike and i knocked out about nine or ten in two days so <laughs> that was pretty we, cool we mic'd was, everything and went to killer yeah. Yeah. same thing we were talking about earlier yeah. like wrote and record like record and write slash yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly yeah yeah so you have this like the writing process kind of bleeds into the recording process all kind of all in one yeah mm-hmm. i feel like um you know, I've always kind of felt like that. That's always just been sort of how I think. Like, okay. you know, um, I kind of, I ended up sort of getting in. I think we, you and I were actually yeah. talking about this the other day, like at, at coffee when we were hanging out. But, um, you know, I ended up getting into the whole recording gig because it was like that. It was like, you know, I'm kind of like playing in a band and I'm playing guitar and I'm, you know, we're kind of like writing songs. But then I'm like. It, the writing it was like well well how do i make it sound this way you know it was like that yeah. was a part of the extension of like mm-hmm. the writing to me what the writing didn't sort of like it didn't end with like a lyric and a song structure and a melody it sure. it, it it extended to like the way that that a guitar sounded you know <clears throat> and yeah it's always been like that the recording studio has always been kind of like this other of sort of instrument it's an instrument right. that encapsulates totally. all the other instruments yeah, you know cool. and and yeah and I, i've always worked with people a, a lot in that capacity i mean you know when i'm making like when i sort of became more professional in my career maybe it was a little bit more compartmentalized than that because i was really kind of you know most of my most of my time I, i'm 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 recording engineer so you know pre-production a lot of stuff's kind of like worked out mm-hmm. you know in a big way and most of the writing but um but you know i i don't know it's just it's really even even now when i find myself writing it it's you know and even i don't know to me it's just about you know a certain synth patch is right. gonna a, a like timbre of a total inspiration it, yeah it's <laughs> yeah. gonna it's gonna inform yeah, the way time. that you kind of like write a right. melody totally. you know or what i mean you sit down at like yeah. a piano and you you play it and then it's like the stuff that happens after you yeah. hit the notes it's yeah. just like this resonating yeah. thing yeah. and you hear it in the mics with the compression and you're right. like oh my gosh that is like really cool yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. yep yeah. that's a real life that's literally two days ago on friday or whatever day it is, Saturday, whatever. We've been in the studio for four days. I have no, <laughs> no idea what day or time it is, but uh, that literally very thing happened. Like yeah. we mic'd up this old upright that we paid a hundred dollars for, mm-hmm. and um, 
put it through some like I don't, I don't even remember now. It was like 19 different things, and it just went forever. Mm-hmm. And then Travis sat at the piano for like 12 minutes, and we got like this part one, part two series of the same thing that's going to be awesome that would yeah. not have happened. I'll say uh, one of Mike's talents is his instrument is the studio. <laughs> cool. Uh, I love that. And, uh, Thanks, man. And Yeah. <laughs> that's a lot. So yeah, I mean he he he's a great guitar player, but but really his instrument mm-hmm. is the studio, um, unlike me. So what about your vibe? What's what's your vibe like? Uh, what, what's your what's your sort of like your what's just yeah, your right. everything else in the walls <laughs> is his instrument. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm a uh, I'm not an engineer at all, mm-hmm. so we make a good pairing. Yeah. Um, I'm a musician. Mm-hmm. Uh, been playing music since I was seven years old and uh didn't do the rock band thing at all but went the um i was playing bluegrass i was playing fiddle when i was seven eight years old Mm -hmm. um moved to playing jazz when i was 12 13 so kind of went the more traditional study theory go to Mm -hmm. school jazz that kind of thing but um but you know as we we started working together um it was just like kind of a match made in heaven because we we started uh he, he was like really good at learning pro tools he was like learning pro tools at the mm-hmm. time like and i was like and i didn't know how to hit record <laughs> like and and i and i i've gotten a little bit better now but still like uh i've I, my whole thing is is let people do what they're good at yeah um yeah. and i we we just developed a this seri- like yeah. immense amount of trust with each other, mm-hmm. and um, and that's that's it for us. Yeah, we were actually talking about like kind of this dynamic of like I play the studio and Travis plays everything in it. Mm-hmm. Um, we literally would just ha- uh, we had an artist in which we don't rarely do anymore. Literally, the reason we were recording is because one half of the duo did a bunch of marketing and branding work for us last year. Mm. So like we don't really do any artist records anymore, but mm-hmm. they're really great, really good songs. It was really easy. We did five, we tracked, tracked and finished five songs in two days mm-hmm. because they were prepared. They knew their stuff. Right. They're talented. And <clears throat> Travis was in uh, the tracking room, like putting down, like I had hit, I was like, all right, man, get to know this tune. Cause it was just an acoustic guitar and their vocals. So I roll it. And I literally don't even listen to what he's doing. Cause I know it's just like, He's like feeling it out, learning the song, yeah. whatever. And I had this really short, like three minute conversation with uh, the artist. And he, cause he was like, man, how do you got, like, you guys are just so fast and everything's like happening, but it's like so pretty and everything's great. And that's what I went into is what Travis was just talking about. I was like, you know what, man, I know when I hit play the first time, he's just figuring it out. When he's done, I say, are you ready for pass two? And he goes, yep. And I hit go. And that's when I start paying attention. And usually it's like, all right, sweet, double that. Mm-hmm. And you build a string arrangement like right there. Yeah. And from that moment on, the rest of the time in the studio, that was the first day about halfway through. And the rest of the time he was in there, so many times we heard him say, like, what do you think about that? Like all of a sudden he was like, well, what do you think about that? Mm-hmm. And it stopped the whole artistry, like, oh, I'm not sure, like, about that, no, and, and I'm not really, like, because these are his songs that he's been writing yeah. for six months. I get that he's protective, but, like, when we opened up that whole idea of just, re- like, man, he's really, really good at this. Mm-hmm. Like, give him a second and just see what happens. Mm-hmm. And if it sucks, 
we're not running the tape. We'll just delete it and do it again. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. no sweat. Right. And we did that a few times. We right. found out that bad ideas usually uh, end up being notice that they're bad ideas but yeah, you have to expose pl- themselves you have to yeah they expose yeah. themselves you have to play it out though sure uh, yeah. absolutely yeah i like that idea of like not to cut you off no. but the, but but yeah it, it's man i'm rolling my eyes at myself because i'm going to reference i'm going to reference the book the war of art yet again i mean yes. this this book I, I talk about it pretty much every episode and it's just made i mean that's just to say that like how much of a I don't know, an impression it's made on me and just yeah. how applicable it is to uh, almost just like I should rename this podcast the War of Art podcast <laughs> or something. <laughs> hey, it's a great book. But but yeah, so so I guess everybody here has probably read yeah. it. But, but that's the exact kind of like thing that he talks about. It's like, you know, he talks about in the book, Stephen Pressfield um, that, uh, you know, he'll, he, he, he allots a certain amount of time every day to write he's going to sit down and he's going to write and this is his time that he's going to sit down and he's going to write and during that time he writes Mm -hmm. is it good i don't know i'm writing i just write you know and and that it doesn't matter that does that's not important right now and Mm -hmm. i think that's such an important like sort of thing for um for a lot of writers at different or just creative you know makers Mm -hmm. of 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 um you know i guess maybe um maybe of of maybe all generations but i think it's particularly relevant to our generation because you know everything is so fast and put out there constantly all the time and it's like the finished product right you know all the time you get on you get on like instagram and it's like the finished thing and it's like Mm -hmm. you know but you're not you're not looking at like the months of of whittling it down and shaping it and all that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. and you become the process yeah and 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 you sort of just you know kind of it kind of we i don't know adapt into this sort of mindset of of you know um kind of almost working against ourselves you know Mm -hmm. because we're because it's like well you know, the way the quickest way to a good idea is just to have a lot of bad ideas. Right. So like yeah, right. like let's sit down and have as many bad ideas yeah. as let's possible. Get these out of the way. And let's uh, not even worry about that because like, you know, it could be the difference between it might not be a bad idea. It just it might it might be like uh, you know, it might be dressed up in a tuxedo when it's supposed to be dressed up in like, yeah. you know, a good surf idea, suit or something. Kind of yeah, exactly. I was gonna say Hawaiian shirt. Yeah. Yeah, there <laughs> you go. Yeah. yeah. No, I think it's I think it's especially uh Definitely important to realize as a musician here in Nashville, uh, I I think because I I started this whole process of thinking and having to battle this process of thinking when I moved to Nashville, of asking the question, is it good? Way too soon mm-hmm. in the process. Mm-hmm. Instead of, do I feel this? Am I having fun doing it? Right. Is this yeah. satisfying some? urge to uh to write and create you know instead it's so easy to get caught up in thinking like is this a hit or is this yeah. is this catchy does that make sense yeah. or does that yeah. you know blah, blah blah and it's just like sometimes you just need to sing it out or right right or play or make some freaking noise and know? i'm so guilty of that like literally and travis can probably attest to this every time i go to do something it's usually like this might be a really crappy idea I, like I, I'm always coming mm-hmm. up with a disclaimer before I hit go on something. You know what right. it is, though. You know what's what it, what it really is that's behind all of that is uh, is is insecurity. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, you know. Yeah. Like, oh, fear is yeah. the you know? the the hardest obstacle in the studio, yeah. mm-hmm. and really anything that you yes. do, starting Soundstripe. Yeah, you know, totally. I mean, you you don't know. I mean, the fear that you go into it. Absolutely, and, um, dude. And 
this is this might be way too deep, way too fast. No, man, go there on the fear because I'm about to start taking it there anyway. Okay, so. good. I like I'm, gonna, I'm gonna start asking you about your parents and oh, like, hey, you know, childhood, childhood traumas stuff. and stuff. Okay. You know? <laughs> oh, I, uh, so, is anybody familiar with the study that they stuck a bunch of jazz musicians in MRI machines and had them jam? Yeah, I was, I was going to maybe, maybe uh, I did. Maybe this this kind of rings a bell. Mind blowing. Uh, look it up. I don't even know how to Google it, but put in the show notes sure. or something. Um, yeah. They stuck these guys in, and like there was you know jam session, just go, yeah. and they just monitored their brains as they did this. Uh huh. And the parts of their brains that illuminated, um like the creative side, sorry, let me rephrase. The parts of their brains that went dark are the like self-judgment sides. Mm. So the parts where Mm -hmm. you go, I don't want to look like a fool. So I'm going to make sure, like when we're talking, I'm talking to a microphone right now using English. Right. Uh, So that part, your language center is in that side of the brain. So I'm sitting here right now saying, don't say something stupid. Don't say something stupid. Right. Don't say something stupid because I'm recording and all your people are going to hear it. I'm going to sound like an idiot. That part shuts off when you're in a creative flow. Huh. Gone. Hmm. Right. Gone, gone, gone. It's the guys who are willing to be like, I'm just in the, I'm here. Yeah. And, I, and me, me and my instrument, like we know each other mm-hmm. and we're going to do this. Mm-hmm. But, but that part of you, that like self-judgment, the part where you want to look cool in front of your friends or whatever, literally that part of your brain is dark. It's mm. not even on. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's mm. just turned off. So and then yeah. the minute you have to copy what you just did, right? Um, say if you did a take, and like uh, we do this all the time. When I'm in a flow, I'll be playing something, and he'll say, "That was awesome. Do that again." And I'm like, "Do what? Do what? What, <laughs> what did I do? Yeah." So um, I have to play it back, and then he has to learn his own part. So yeah. I yeah, can't yeah. even learn what I did. Yeah, and yeah. Um, but that's it, like your that's brain. That's like a neurology thing. It's yeah. not like oh, I'm incapable. Like no, that part of your brain wasn't on. Yeah, yeah. right. Doesn't yeah. doesn't process. It's yeah. incredible. And so I think the more you can let go and tr- and I can't I, like I'm preaching to myself too, preaching to the choir here. Like the more that you can just commit to the moment and be like, what's the worst that's gonna happen if I come out with a bad idea? And it's just me and right. you in the studio. Like right. my best friend in the world's gonna be like, dude, that was crappy. This right. is big so deal. so. This is like this is a big theme of of like of my life. Um, especially in the last probably two years and, and just continuing to double down on this area of life. And, uh, I even did like a podcast episode about this, but like you had said it before, it's like, you know, fear is the biggest, is the biggest thing that kind of like holds you back in the studio and creative process. But really it's anything. It's the reason that when, when people, you'll look at these um, studies that that are done on people that are like, you know, dying and they have these, like, what's your regret, you know? And then people are talking about like, not really like going after what I really wanted in life, you know? And it's the reason that people will end up getting to the entire end of their life. You know, people will, will end up kind of just falling into the, 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 the choices that are sort of like there path of least resistance. Just like, you know, Oh, you know, there's, I, I really believe this. I really believe that most people out there, there's the thing that they really wanted to do, and then and then the thing that they just kind of did because somewhere along the line there was this voice in the back of their head that they they just sort of accepted mm-hmm. that was sort of like, well, that's a little bit far fetched. I can't sure. really be that, you know. And 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 quite frankly, you know, it's been I don't know. I don't know what it is with me, but I've been I've. You know, I've been willing to like step outside of that in my life mm-hmm. constantly mm-hmm. to um to, to always to always just show up to be able to do what I want to do, even if it like whatever yeah. the cost is, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of times, it's 
it it costs sort of like it, I feel like I'm risking sort of like my reputation or my intelligence, you know, at times, yeah. and it's just I I don't want to miss something. You 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 said the words show up. Mm-hmm. Like you just show up. Mm-hmm. I, to me, yeah. that's half the winning. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah. show up, right? Like, yeah. you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Give, give yourself a shot because if you're not in the room, yeah. it's never happening. What do you? Uh, what do you? I want to give you and throw it to you for a second. What do you find? Um, kind of. How does this strike you? I mean, I'm sure that that, that you resonate with kind of what yeah. as a creator, you know, and. and Putting your ideas out there, you know, composing a piece, writing lyrics or whatever. I mean, I don't know if you yeah. if you do mostly instrumental stuff these days or you find yourself... I kind of do a uh, bunch of everything. I was even in a band for uh, five years and sang for that band yeah. <laughs> uh, and wrote most of the music. But, uh, but man, I, I mean, you could even ask my wife this, like how many times, like there's at least like one week out of every month where I'll come home a couple nights of that week and be like, man, I just, I just don't know if I'm good enough. (laughs) And she'll do the sweet thing of being like, oh babe, but, uh, what are you talking about? Because you're an idiot. Like, why Mm -hmm. are you, why are you even thinking that way? Mm -hmm. That's so dumb. Like Mm -hmm. you do cool stuff. And, uh, and then I'm like, you know, then I get a cup of coffee that morning and I'm like, oh, yeah, cool. Okay, yeah. So what, but, do you, what do you find that usually it is that kind of puts you in that? Is it like later at night after a day of work and you're coming home and you're kind of and you're kind of sort of in this sort of mindset or? Yeah. Do you I, find a pattern to to those kind of? Uh, I don't I don't know if there's necessarily a pattern. I think I think the biggest pattern is not whenever I'm not finding that. uh getting lost in the music mm-hmm. part of my life that mm-hmm. I need so much. Mm-hmm. You know, whenever I'm not picking up the guitar and swelling in, putting a ton of reverb on it and really feeling that one note that I keep playing over and over again. Uh, and if I'm not doing that or if I'm not making, uh, cause I also, uh, record and produce bands, mm-hmm. um, as well. And, and, um, and luckily for the most part, I've been really recording stuff that I enjoy, but sometimes, uh, you know, it's, you get into a style of music or a thing that you're just not feeling mm-hmm. and then it just becomes a job or like, it's easy to like, forget that I could still have fun with this or I mm-hmm. could still do whatever. But really it comes down to like, I need to make music and I need to not only make music, I don't need to write a formula. I just need to make some noise Mm -hmm. really. And I need to feel that I need Mm -hmm. to feel the, and then really it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks about that stuff that I write or what I do. Cause that's not what I do it for. You Mm -hmm. know, it's like, and yes, it's become a job or it's become a career, but Mm -hmm. If I was working in a, you know, in a factory, I'd still come home and I'd make music, you Mm -hmm. know, that because I need to. Right. You know, what it sounds like to me, there's an awesome, the book is a little slow, but uh, there is a philosopher dude who's like German and I cannot pronounce his name. I can't. It's like 700 letters. Yeah. Uh, Michal Kaczewskiak. He's like the guy who came up with the idea of flow. Okay. I don't know if yeah. this is familiar. Yeah, yeah. But like what's your to me what you're describing is like being attached, being in, being mm-hmm. like feeling that or whatever. Yeah. It sounds like you're defining what flow like what a state of flow is and Oh yeah. It's like it's just being in the zone essentially is what it is. Mm-hmm. But there's like actually he's like 
marked some like parameters of what that means. And it's like you're you're getting immediate feedback on what you're doing, whether mm-hmm. it's like in the right direction or the wrong direction, which mm-hmm. like if you hit a wrong note, you're like, oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're getting this immediate feedback. That feels good. It's got your entire focus. You're not, you're, you know, it's almost like meditation. Like, so that's great. I'm glad I didn't just get chunked. Yeah. I'm also astonished. How? Okay. This is the um, second time this something like this happened. Audio dropout. So uh, uh, apologize for that. And uh, there's probably about five minutes worth of conversation that, that dropped out. But I'll tell you what. Uh, you know, whatever it is what it is. And uh, it's going to be, we're going to continue the conversation and have a good time anyway. And uh, probably what we should do is uh, cause part of what we got, what, what, what lost was that song. Oh. Um, so why don't we just like pick up with the song now? We'll play that in. Cause it was like a 60 second spot yeah. anyway, wasn't it? Yep. Mm-hmm. And, um, and uh, yeah, man, we'll just uh, we'll pick up with our conversation after that. Yeah, there's uh, a few technical difficulties today, but uh, I, I never, I've had that happen to me once on another episode, but I never let that stop me. Hey, so I appreciate you guys for being sport about it and like oh, wanting yeah. to sweat, just hang man. out. You know, we, we can talk for just a few more minutes and then uh, and we'll be on our way. And, and, and but uh, yeah, man, cool. So um, uh, tell us about that little, that, that, that piece. It's a 60 seconds piece, yeah? Uh, yeah, I think, well, maybe the original version was like, that might have been. Edited um, it for was us. probably like three, three and a half. I, I think I edited that one down, but uh, that one's called "All Pedals," and it's called "All Pedals" because all the pedals on the pedal board awesome. were pushed. And, uh, <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> and uh, I was telling these guys earlier. <laughs> I, was, uh, I I operate out of a, a house studio or some other uh-huh. guys live. Yeah. And, um, uh, I was recording that guitar part I, I had written that guitar part and i was just messing around with all the all pedals <laughs> and uh and it just sounded really cool and i was playing a baritone guitar for some reason and it, it wasn't even low it was still uh-huh. high. but i got that and uh my roommate matt at the time him and the girl that he was dating were in the kitchen and it was really loud uh, uh-huh. in there, and they kept hearing it over and yeah. over and over and over yeah, and over yeah, again yeah. And so they wrote lyrics to the line, and it goes, I went down to southern Wyoming, and I bought a hairbrush. <laughs> nice. Yes. So, so that, so that, that goes through my, my head every time so I hear that. Why, why southern Wyoming? 
Uh, I have no idea. I they think just, that's the genius of it, because why? Yeah, and a hairbrush? <laughs> a hairbrush. Nothing to do, really, yeah, with that's a particular awesome. state. Yeah. How did you come up with that little melody? How did uh, that enter your head? I, I, don't, I don't know. I guess it was part of the flow, there right? You, yeah. you know? Yeah, and I, I just, go. like... I really liked it, and then um, that song in particular became one of my favorites because it all just kind of like came together. So it started with that weird melody, and then uh, it sounds like a really happy melody, and then the the bass synth comes in, um, and it was I, I came in on like kind of a minor, mm-hmm. uh, and it just made it sound way cooler to me. And I set up a couple room mics and tracked a drum set and. It just kind of came together, you know, and all yeah. that noise in the beginning is uh, yeah. Yamaha port of sound, tri- tripled, quadrupled, yeah. just random notes. That, yeah, uh, you know. That so, good. so you uh, you have your you have a studio set up. Is it at your house or it's how do a you... it's a, a guy named Matt Hoops house, okay. and we've been uh, it's called Dirty Denim Studio, and we've been uh, operating that for the last. Three years now, I think. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Um, so, so you do the studio gig, and you say you're, you produce with you know bands and things yeah, like that, yeah. and uh, obviously write to you. And do you have mm-hmm. do you play in a band yourself or currently or? Uh, I I I guess I, uh, I play bass in a band called Acidies Burn, mm-hmm. um, and I was in a I guess still am I don't know it's up in the air. But uh, I was in a band for a while called Haste the Day, and then that band broke up, and then we got back together and did a new record last year. Mm-hmm. And it's been now we don't know. It's right. all just kind of up in the air. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. yeah. <laughs> fun, fun little history, me and Keech. We have yeah. been in the same town in Germany. Oh, yeah. Playing the same festival. In Epital. In Epital. Look yeah. at you. Yeah, Epital. Uh-huh. Remember? Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, some festival over there. Uh, it's like dirty. It's it's amazing. It's like three thousand sweaty German kids jammed into a ballroom that only supposed mm-hmm. to hold like a thousand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, Christmas rock night. It's a riot. So you guys have all played it. All played that I festival. Have you been to Germany okay. Okay. For that one? No, not that one. It yeah. was a fun one. That's a good time. That's where we met. That's where we met. Okay. Actually. Cool. Years and years ago. Right on. And then he had dreads, years. long, long dreads. You did? I did. Oh, right yeah. on, man. I, I I used to have pretty long hair. It wasn't dreads, but it, yeah, it was super long. And yeah. At that I time, like I had. Last year. Yeah, I had hair down to my neck. Yeah. So oh, yeah. yeah. Well, we were like, when when we were going to meet for coffee last week, <laughs> yeah. I had seen the picture on right. the podcast, and so yeah. I was looking for hair. Right. Yeah. I know. And I need we, to update that. We literally, stuff. I know. we were sitting right across from each other, like next to facing each other at different tables. For like a half hour, yeah, and we're like staring at each other's faces and not realizing, yeah, that like, like who each other, and I, yeah. I sent him you an email, like right at when we're being like, hey, hey, brother, um, I'm on, the, I'm on the patio, yeah, and like you look up and you're like, are you Micah? Yeah, <laughs> like really, thirty minutes, thirty minutes, where's your hair? It was awesome, it was awesome, yeah. I was in the flow, man. I was in the zone. Just in it. I was in the yeah. flow. Oh, yeah, yeah, man. So, um, so something that you know, big, a big, uh, a big. Thing about this podcast that I'd like to you know spend some time talking about is just recording in the modern age and kind of what that looks like and so many people you know do different um, uh, kind of you know the, it's not the, the studio to, of today isn't like the traditional kind of magazine cover studio anymore you know and so I'd like to yeah. I'd like to get into uh, get into that and ask people kind of like what the recording process is like and kind of, you know, what your setup is like and, and that kind of stuff because there's just so many kind of unorthodox ways 
to record and make it happen now. And, um, yeah, I would just love to hear about kind of like what you, what you do and, and, um, what your approach is kind of to it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the, uh, the thing is like, it's so easy for us as like engineers and, and, uh, you know, in the studio realm that more gear is better. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I always, I just like the simplicity, you know, I like knowing that something's going to work or at least knowing that it's probably going to work at least. And, uh, and being able to get something that I will like that will sound good as quickly as possible. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, I guess whenever I'm doing like my compositions and stuff like that, uh, my process is to, um, just plug something in and just start mm-hmm. and start with like no ideas, no, uh, n- pro- usually not even like I'm trying to write this kind of song. Mm-hmm. Um, just trying to find some cool sound or something fun that will inspire me to do mm-hmm. something. Um, and then, uh, I'll build around it. Um, and sometimes, you know, that means taking the time to properly mic a drum kit. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes that means throwing some samples in there. Sometimes that means uh, mic in the piano or just putting one mic in the room and just seeing what happens, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, and it's really just whatever sounds cool. Sure. You know? And you just kind of go in the moment and just kind of, yeah. just kind of, um, just kind of feel it and just start vibing on kind of sounds that are coming together and exactly yeah and committing to that sound that you liked originally you know what Mm -hmm. i mean it's like Mm -hmm. like instead of trying to like yeah maybe you could throw like six microphones on the drum kit like and it, maybe it would sound a little better, but that one mic still sounded cool. So mm-hmm. Oh man, and all pedals. Just do that one. Yeah. Like I don't know what was happening at that time you recorded those drums, but those are my like one of my favorite drum sounds. Those are my favorite drums that I've ever recorded too. And it was funny because I just had two four fourteens and I X Y'd them on the ground. Shut or like up. like on a small stand in front of the kick drum. And then I think I had a 121 as an overhead that I didn't end up using. You're kidding me. Uh, and it was just those two 414s that were just like getting a stereo cool. image of it. Mm. Did you play um, the drums on it? Did you I play did, all the parts? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, and yeah, that's like another thing. It's just like you don't, I, don't, I just kind of like start playing random stuff yeah. until all of a sudden it was like, oh, that's pretty cool. You know, it's, there's very little thought that went into it. And it mm-hmm. might, might make me sound. Like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I think that's really the, uh, the thing about music that gets overlooked is that, uh, um, music I believe is more discovered than it is created. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, Mm -hmm. uh, you could do all the right things. And even if you think about it in this way, this is crazy. You could recreate a record, an entire album perfectly if you knew the binary code right isn't that weird without playing a single instrument like what if you could just tweak the binary code just a little bit to make that one chord minor like right i guess that's amazing 
I don't know. In that's, theory, that's a you know. In theory, know, that's in theory accurate. it's accurate, right? Because it all reads binary code. In theory, if we really want to get psychedelic with it, in theory, this is all we're all binary code in a simulation. Hey. Oh man, dude, I oh love yeah. This. Don't get me. Yeah. Oh, in no. theory, <laughs> we're in theory we're all living in the past. Our brains <laughs> only operate at like eighty milliseconds behind. Oh, right. Hmm. Think about that for a minute. That's You're never in the present. Uh, there's a lot of theories flying around yeah, this room right now. That's real. But I guess my point is uh, that you can do everything right or you can you can plan it out in such a brilliant way uh and still be missing that that thing you know yeah. or that heart that right. like yeah drive and and uh i just feel like it's a really cool and and my favorite way to make music is to discover it and just stumble upon it. So so maybe can you expound on that idea a little bit more of just like this idea of discovering it because I've kind of I've heard other people I've kind of had that notion before myself too you know but I've heard other people kind of describe it that way but mm-hmm. but um, kind of what what is what's kind of underneath that for you like what what's the, what is that sensation of discovering it and that notion of discovering it for you. I guess it's the, uh, as we were talking about earlier that, you know, you're in the flow, you're playing and then all of a sudden you just find the next chord that makes you go, ah, or mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And it's mm-hmm. like, it's like, I didn't necessarily think about going to that chord or maybe of course there's, there's stuff that's like, I've gone to that chord before and probably subconsciously I knew mm-hmm. that it sounds mm-hmm. good. Right. But yeah. um, that mixed with that other thing that we were talking about earlier when you play that piano chord and it's the trail that you really love, you know, mm-hmm. or the like the ambience in the room or something like that. And, uh, or putting on all the pedals at one time, you know, yeah. or, uh, doing all the wrong things. Right. Uh, yeah. Because it sounds cool, right. you know, like, uh, or it feels cool it to feels do it, cool. right? It's yeah. like it's like this isn't what you're supposed to do. Yeah, this, this yeah. is not what you're supposed to do in air quotes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm gonna do it because it feels like this cool sort of thing where I'm yeah like punching through the 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 facade of yeah. you know the rules of it or something like that. Yeah, yeah. you know yeah. what? Me, Travis and I have talked about this actually quite a bit. Um, it's the idea of, uh, like, you were talking about with the chord, you're like, you just ended up there. You're mm-hmm. like, yeah, that felt great. Um, I, f- I feel like there's such merit to, like, really, if you're a musician or engineer, whatever you whatever your craft is, there's merit to learning the, quote, right way. Oh, absolutely. Or the theory or whatever that is. There's mm-hmm. tons of merit to that mm-hmm. because you have to know the rules before you're going to break them. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think... For me, like, I'm not a theory guy. I've always been a by-ear guy. I was in rock bands for 10 Mm -hmm. years, and that Mm -hmm. did fine for me. I was more of a performer than anything. But for me, if I get into that scenario, and because I don't know, I don't know where I'm, like, I have no frame of reference for where I'm, even even if I knew where I wanted to be, I wouldn't know where that was at in physical space, Mm -hmm. on that fretboard or on those Mm -hmm. keys. Whereas Travis does. And so when he gets into a state of flow, there, there can be this kind of free-flowing, like, uh, now I'm going to go here, and he does, but it's like it's all kind of natural. Right. Because there's there's that background of knowing what you're doing, so you can kind of lose yourself. It's like you learn it stuff. so you can forget it. I've yeah, got, I've got one for you. I've got yeah. one for yeah. you. Um, uh, and it's, a, it's a, maybe a theory of mine, but it's that music is a language, 
Uh, we all know that, right? And and I, I, we can probably push this into recording itself is a language. Um, but the the thought is, how do people learn languages? How does a baby learn a language? And um, do they? Uh, do you teach the baby how to make a proper sentence? Do you teach a baby to you know use? Uh, conjunctions and adjectives or adverbs and the Shirley method or what, you know, like, like, no, mm-hmm. <laughs> how does a baby learn to talk? And, and that's a really good question. They, you get them in a room full of people and they just start talking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 They mouths. just start talking yeah. and, and you kind of, you know, and then you start kind of helping the child learn to speak they and then by the time they're three four i mean gosh they can fully talk to a person right you know and they know nothing about the science of it right Mm. that's interesting right and then Mm. when uh then you get into school and you learn oh i'm going to learn to spell cat and then by the time you graduate high school maybe you know what the heck you're talking about like maybe you can actually form a correct sentence maybe not me because i'm from <laughs> texas but uh, uh but it, it but still right i mean and then you go to college you learn more uh music is the same way the best musicians that i know learned from getting in a room with people and learning to jam, mm-hmm. learning to play, just like they, mm-hmm. they start picking up things, you know? Like um, the, the first time I ever played with anybody, I was eight years old, and it was a, in a room full of 60-year-old men playing bluegrass, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? You're going to pick up a thing or two mm-hmm. over the years, and it, you, you don't know what you're doing. You don't know that that's a diminished or whatever, and you start, oh, what is that? What is that? And you start asking about it. You're like, and then, and then this old guy says, "Hey, let me show you this thing called the number system." You know, mm-hmm. and then you kind of like, "Whoa, that's awesome!" And then over time, you're like, "Oh, I'm kind of getting into jazz. I'm kind of getting into like, okay, what's all these other kind of chords?" You mm-hmm. know, you start learning. You're learning just like you would a language, and I'm sure recording's the same way. And uh, you know, I took four years of Spanish in high school, learned all the correct things from the textbook, right? Mm-hmm. I can't speak a word yeah. of oh, Spanish. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's interesting. I think you're, I think you're, that's a great observation. I think you're spot on because even now when you, you're seeing this whole kind of like resurgence of, or not even a resurgence, I don't even know what you would call it, sort of a, a rethinking, I guess, of like, um, how people learn, yeah. you know, and, and we've gotten better about understanding how people learn. And, mm-hmm. and so, you know, it's going to take a long time, but there's kind of this reformation of kind of education that's, that's, that's coming. And it's going to take a long time for it to really kind of like really catch on and, and, and be mainstream. But you'll, you'll hear, you know, people like these blogs that kind of like, I'm sure we're all, I'm, I know we're all reading the kind of the same stuff. Cause we're talking about, you know, flow and these different things, but People talking about, you know, your memory, how your memory works, how you learn a language. These these guys who right. are um, – there's this guy, uh, his name is like – his name is Gabriel Weiner. It's two guys. Gabriel Weiner, he wrote this book called uh, – I think it's called Fluent Forever. And this other guy, Benny Lewis, Fluent in Three Months is his thing. Jeez. And they're both polyglots. They both know all these different languages and they start talking about how it works. And it's what you're talking about. It's like they observe – 
how does a child learn to speak? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's not it's not like it's not learning the correct syntax and the structure of it and the right, science right. of it and all that stuff. They just first of all, one observation I want to make is like that it kind of brings it back full circle to what we were talking about at the beginning of the show is like, they're not, first of all, not afraid. They're not afraid of doing it wrong, saying it wrong, sounding like an idiot, saying something embarrassed. That's not even a thought in their head. They're just, I'm just going to do it. Right. right? And, but the other thing that, that, um, how we learn and how we specifically learn languages that really translates to how we learn Mm, is that how it's attached to like meaning and emotion Mm -hmm. and significance in our life. You know what I mean? Right. So, um, so yeah, man, it's uh that's, that's a cool thing. There's like, you know, I've been, I've been kind of studying these guys that are like, you know, talking about super learners and how they can speed read yeah. and they can, they can memorize and learn a lot of just a lot of crazy information, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's, they're all talking about the, like these techniques about, um, because if it, if you make it meaningful and significant to you, 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 that's where your brain like forms more neural connections mm-hmm. to that right. thing. Yeah, you know that's what I mean? a big, we've studied quite a bit. I mean, we've really had to, but for me, it's become like a hobby study at this Mm -hmm. point Yeah, about uh, human decision making. Um, Mm -hmm. And there's this really, really cool piece of imagery that I uh, came across recently that is the elephant and the writer. Has anybody heard about this? Mm -mm. Um, It's the idea that uh, if you picture an elephant and a guy riding the elephant, the uh, guy riding your elephant, riding the elephant represents your higher thinking, rational brain that like human beings have and mm-hmm. like chim- chimpanzees have. Uh, but ours is obviously huger. Keep talking. I'm going to check yeah, yeah, here. Go that. Go ahead. Um, huger, as I just used my rational brain to come up with that word. <laughs> huger. Um, and the elephant is your limbic brain, which is like our old it's our gut and it's our emotions. And that's also where our decision center is located. Mm -hmm. So people make like, we make decisions based off of how we feel. Like when you say, I just have a, I just have a feeling like, you know, like I just, my gut's telling me this or whatever. It's because you've been connected and the, the imagery piece is which, you know, which is the elephant or the writer more powerful. It's like, well, clearly the elephant is. Mm -hmm. And, if if it's going to go one way or the other, which guy's really deciding that? Well, the elephant can go wherever the heck it wants. Mm-hmm. So the goal would be that your rider becomes influential and trains the elephant to respond to whatever's around in the world because the guy with the higher thinking brain, the rider, can really forecast what happens if we go this way or what happens if we go this way. Mm-hmm. And it's the reason that like obesity is a problem. Like, I love food. I love food. And so if I love food, if my elephant loves food, I'm going to Pizza Hut. My rational brain goes, oh, like I'm kind of a little overweight. I probably shouldn't go to Pizza Hut. But you go anyway. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I mm-hmm. smoke. And I would really, like, I don't want to be a smoker. Rationally, it makes no sense. But I still want to for some stupid reason. Mm-hmm. So I still do. Mm-hmm. It's frustrating. Yeah, it's interesting how um, it, this stuff can get really, like, I, I, I research a lot of this stuff. Um, Partly because I'm I'm fascinated fascinated by it, but also because you know I'm kind of I just a couple of years ago got super into just like health and wellness and mm. human potential and how can I, you know I, I was uh, I got really into martial arts and when I oh, got cool. uh, and that opened me up to being like well how could I like ma- like double down on this just like maximize my athletic ability mm-hmm. you know and just make decisions that would support. Um, 
just these athletic feats that sure. I want to that I want to do, you know. And so, you st- I, there's a whole lot of really profound new research out there. That's right. of course, you know, with the internet, you know, you, it's it's an interesting time because we just sort of are able in a way to kind of like on one sense of it, look at all the raw data and make our own decisions sure. about it. But then the, on the other hand, look at what people are saying about it and then have to cross reference that and figure it out. But it's right. fun to go down those rabbit holes and there's, it's really interesting. Like what you're talking about, how deep and nuanced things like that go and oh, these brains insane. and the gut brain, we have two brains, you know, we have two yeah. brains. We, we literally do. Yeah. Our guts and our brains yeah. are connected in a really direct, pr- profound way. There's actual, um, there's actual uh, like uh, nerve endings and 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 uh, uh, a lot of the same kind of you know stuff that you find in your brain you find in your gut right mm-hmm. and and then a lot of it has to do with like the mitochondria and how the mitochondria mm-hmm. what how your gut is populated <laughs> what, what type of bacteria it's populated it's with that can that that communicates on a cellular level sure. certain signals that ultimately get uh, decoded by your brain in a certain way. So it's literally like what you put into your body and what gets um, how your gut processes the stuff that you put into your body influences your thoughts. And it's like, Hmm. on the one hand, it's like, yeah, no, duh. But on the other hand, it's like, no, but think about that for a second. Like the pizza influences (laughs) your thoughts. And so if you eat pizza, that's why it becomes this thing was like, I know that I shouldn't eat the pizza, sure. but I eat the pizza anyway yeah. because it's it's more than just this rote sort of like trying to resist an urge. Oh, like it's deeper than that. It's, and there's dopamine it's an interesting and there's all thing. Kinds of crap. Yeah, oh. yeah. And I just you know for us in particular, for me, why I've gone deep into psychology studies is as like as we're running our our company, like we would like to win. And winning looks like having lots of users think our stuff is valuable and think our music is good, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's pretty basic stuff. So for us, like diving into the way why people make the decisions that they make and what matters to people has been just fascinating. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's really developed a lot of, I think for Travis and I, it's really shaped the way that we kind of want to take the direction of our company and People like it's the whole start with why thing. Like, mm-hmm. what we have to offer is great. We know that, and how we offered it is great. We know that too. But if, but you, the reason people will buy into what you're doing is if if why you're doing what you're doing like has a good heart and it's doing something for the world and what's the purpose? Like, we're all why driven people, mm-hmm. and like you know we don't need to go into a spiritual place if we don't. If that's not your Just thing. Go to but it. But for me, I Do feel it. like there's there's. Uh, an aspect to creation to me that's Mm -hmm. like uh for me god in creating us in his image and i don't want to get into a theology discussion but just that one simple idea whether you agree with me just based on principle alone why would it matter if we're rational thinking people the what and the how if that makes sense wouldn't that be enough but it doesn't matter like if you look at any psychology study we all decide on the why and it's crazy. Mm-hmm. There's a TED Talk by Simon Sinek. I think it's called Start With Why. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, he, he wrote a book. It, oh, man, it'll Simon. blow your mind. It'll blow your face off. Like, he, he talks about TiVo. And, like, TiVo was the really, like, we call the recording devices TiVos now. Mm-hmm. TiVo's brand actually tanked because they offered, this is what you can do with TiVo. This is how you do it. Yeah. And this is what you do with TiVo. 
But if they would have started that conversation with, are you the kind of person that likes to be in control of your entire waking life? Boy, do we have a product for you. And like, you start with why? Like, yeah, I want to be in control of my life. Heck yeah. Like, yeah, I'm in control. Mm -hmm. And this device is going to help me. You, you take the what and the how and it rationalizes your why decision. Mm -hmm. And that kind of stuff is just like, whew, when you start like really diving into what that means, it really changes the way you operate. Mm -hmm. As for me, anyway. And, just, and, and not only that, but like how you can, how you, you, you can take it to another, another level of like how I communicate with other totally, people. Totally, man. You know. Absolutely. And to spin that all back into recording. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. a big round trip there. Um, we get out in the weeds sometimes. Yeah, it's really like, cool, No, man. and that, that's really cool. And I, I think what your listeners can take away from all this stuff is, is uh, you know, a compressor does cool things. You know, it's the science of da-da-da-da-da. But to know why, why would you want to use a compressor? is another matter mm -hmm. right yeah um yeah. you know nice. and and it's it's it just kind of goes back to the the whole learning thing and i mean we can mm -hmm. all we can all buy the same gear <laughs> uh i can go out to guitar center right now and buy a fender strat um i can buy all the same pedals as john mayer or all these people <laughs> but i will never ever sound like him right mm -hmm. and yeah. um and, 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 and he'll never sound like you. No, no. right. And that's, yeah. the, that's the piece, I think. And it comes down to that, that why. And, and, and that's, that's deep-rooted in you uh, from your experiences, where mm. you're from, your family, all that kind of stuff. Dude, I wanted to tack one thing on to what you had talked about, about like babies and learning language and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, that third piece, and this is actually your... I'm going to let you take this because this is your deal. Um, to me, what you were explaining was your soul brain fingers thing. Yeah, I was I was thinking about that. I'm thinking about writing a book, but I haven't started it yet. <laughs> uh, it, but it's an idea I, I tell some people every once in a while, and it's called Soul Brain Fingers. Uh, and it's the, the way in which you learn uh, music, or really it could be anything creative. Uh, and and it's, based, it's based on that whole language thing. Um, it starts with your soul. <laughs> you first have to... It comes deep inside you, your experiences, mm -hmm. everything. And then as it, it moves through the flow, got it, <laughs> right? Right. It, it moves through the flow of, oh, it then hits your brain. It then processes your what your soul is thinking, you know? Right. So uh, if you're sad, well, then your brain processes and says, well, you need to hit a minor chord. <laughs> mm -hmm. You need to do this. You need to set up the ambient mic, <laughs> you know, all yeah. these kind of things. Mm -hmm. And then it flows again into your fingers. And then that's your either your voice, your typing, <laughs> or your instrument, your fingers mm -hmm. and your hand. And working together, those three things are unstoppable. Right. Uh, and I've noticed if, uh, if you're, say... Um, a classical musician, or you've taken um, a bunch of, like, say, oh, you're a Belmont grad from audio engineering. You what? You know tons of stuff about Lots of brain. audio engineering. Mm -hmm. That means you have the brain. Yeah. You might have fingers, but you're missing the soul. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, right. And, it, it, and if you have the trifecta, that is where we're talking about. Like, there's classical mm -hmm. musicians that can play circles around me uh 
but they can't play Mary Had a Little Lamb without the music. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. Sheet music. Yeah. And, yeah. And yeah. Like, I just think this theory has been such a cool piece because we've seen you can tack this label onto so many different things outside of music. Like, obviously, it works for music, mm-hmm. but even like filmmaking, painting, whatever, because it always takes, you know, inspiration, some skill, and then some actual make it happen in the world. Mm-hmm. And like, for me in particular with music, it was totally had the soul. And I have the fingers, I can play. But like, I just don't have I the theory piece. And, is, and, and, and so, what's the for for what? Uh, yeah, thanks for taking care of that, yeah. man. Uh, for what? Like, what's the end? Kind of the end game with that? In or those three elements in order to what? Uh, th- th- play what you think and not think what you play. <laughs> uh, and that that's really it for me to to be able to instantly play what I'm thinking at the moment I'm thinking it. Mm-hmm. This is coming from a musical mm-hmm. standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was a, a kid, uh, there was an old fiddle player named Johnny Gimble that I, I kind of looked up to, really looked up to, uh, and he, he told me this, this, this whole thing. Like He would say, um, uh, start humming something, uh, you know, and I would go, and then he would say, well, now play that, and I would try to play that. And then over time, he said, "Okay, now hum at the same time you play." And mm-hmm. then over the time, over time, it worked out to where I would hum something and play it at the same time. So, our, my brain, my soul, I was coming up with the music. I was thinking about how to process it. My fingers were all aligned, mm-hmm. ready to go. Everything is in sync mm-hmm. it's in flow mm-hmm. and that's that flow thing that's like that that right there to me allows flow like for me it's very rare that i get into a flow state because I, unless i know exactly which chords i can and cannot hit i'm screwed mm-hmm. right but like if i have that full spectrum you can really how, stay so there, how, and so you know? how do you develop something like that how can you well maybe recordings di- different but i know musically it that th- really it's it's a combination of developing your technical chops, developing your soul, and uh, uh, but all, and and the soul comes from, you know, like oh, it, it's your library of things, mm-hmm. like yeah, like it's your it's your, your background, experiences. your experiences. Yeah, right, yeah. Um, I love this Jimi Hendrix lick here. So you learn it. You put it on a shelf. <laughs> it's like I like that snare sound. Let's learn how to do it. Let's put it on a shelf. Exactly. And then and when you you, you when keep you, it and you practice it and you do it, yeah, yeah. And then when you need it, you just boom. You know, like here it is, and you take all that together and you like build this like just cycle of like. I mean, and back when I was playing a lot, I could I could do it pretty pretty well. Of just mm-hmm. like. The instant I think of something, it's there, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. and and it takes a lot of skill, a lot of lot, lot of theory, but it, the theory is becomes second, just like it's like, the structure, we're, man. like we're having a conversation, but I'm not thinking about oh the adverb I should have used this, yeah, right, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Yeah. it just like it is. We're yeah. just talking, it's just yeah. happening. and it's right, right. Yeah. Yeah. you know, yeah. and and that's what I we tell musicians when they're writing a song, or you know, in the studio. That's like Micah and I. We've got this flow going together as many producers start start getting um, engineer, musician, producer type people. Like we don't have to think about, right. oh, you know, like 
let's work on this chain here. I so I think this, this translates to engineering. Right, yeah, it does. But real quick, yeah, this go, is going to sound it. real snobby, but I'm going to say like anyway. it. So uh, I don't know if you guys ever get frustrated with like when people go, oh my gosh, you're just so talented and you just can do it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, it's like, yes, maybe there is an element of talent, right? Sure, maybe but something there is yeah. not one person in this room that is not like you know, played their instrument or for me, it's guitar. When yeah. I picked up the guitar, for, like, like first couple it. of years I played until like my fingers were blistering and bleeding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and then there are other times where, uh, I like played, uh, the same scale over and over mm-hmm. and over and over again. So I could forget about it while I was like watching TV or something. Yeah. It's yeah. like, Literally. it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of practice right. and then you can forget it. Uh-huh. Exactly. And then you can just play like what you're saying. You yeah. just play. And it's sa- it it's is the same. There. It is absolutely the same thing with engineering and uh, and even producing or like yeah. songwriting. Like that stuff, when you practice it, when you uh, – what what you were saying earlier about – uh, about just showing up, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that bit got lost, but I, I think it's there. Yeah, uh, I think it's there. Cool. Yeah, just showing up and doing it, and and mm-hmm. and uh, writing all the bad songs so yeah. that you yeah. can mm-hmm. maybe write a good yeah. song. It's playing all the bad riffs so that maybe one day you can, or playing that one riff really <laughs> badly a million times until you play it perfectly yeah you know and if, then you can forget about it and if, then you if your it. audience hasn't read Malcolm Gladwell's outliers Ooh. they should go right mm-hmm. to the store right now and yeah. buy it cool okay. and um, it's the whole 10,000 hours thing. yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I believe that a hundred percent you can take Steve Jobs Bill Gates every astronaut like time everybody before they were anybody the Beatles you know they played as a band over 10,000 hours before they were anybody. Some little crap bar. Okay, tell me which band has put in 10,000 hours, not playing separately, but playing together. Uh, There's very few bands, even today, that have a lifetime. That's a lifetime of shows. And, um, And... and that's why they're the Beatles. Mm-hmm. Do you think? Do you think that with this with this idea of the of the three things? And tell me, let's recap real quick. The yeah, three, three things. Yeah, uh, soul, brain, fingers. Okay, is it possible? I guess you know you'd have to sort of define. You could sort of be like, well, I was going to say this. Uh, start here. Is it possible to be a successful musician or or be just successful? in having two of the three. And then the mm. obvious thing would be for you to ask Question. me, we'll define what success is, right? But mm. let's say, cool. you know, mm. what it would be kind of like your standard definition of success being like that people like, that your stuff is, is well-liked, it's well-received, it 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 gets reasonably um, exposed out there, and you make a living doing it. Let's define success that way. I was gonna okay. say, try, I, if if you're cool to take the two for two to two out of three thing, that would be awesome. The success thing, I have a piece on. If you if go you ahead first or whatever. Yeah, uh, well, so in, in terms like, of like, this is like contributing to how you define success, is that what you're saying? Literally, or? all I was gonna say on the success piece is rather than even like trying to really expound on this, uh, another book recommendation: Big Magic. Uh, mm-hmm. By Elizabeth Gilbert, she's okay. uh, the woman who wrote uh, "Eat, Pray, Love." Yeah, cool. <clears throat> Most known for that. Cool. Um, it's about creative living, and she is such a proponent proponent of 
like don't quit your day job basically yeah. and what's the book called i think i came across yeah. this big it magic is great. yes it's one of it my i came across it i think it's in my uh amazon wish list actually it's phenomenal cool. buy it man it's cool great. cool get it cool. in your get it in your hands cool. it's, it's incredible it totally changed the way that i viewed what work is and what it means and what creative art mm-hmm. means and what it means for me to be involved in this whole thing and i, just, I think you have to define it for yourself what success yeah. means and um uh there's people that can uh play in metal bands that mm-hmm. never know what they're playing but be successful at it right and you be know? good at it and that's great you know uh there's classical musicians that know everything mm-hmm. but and and they're they're doing what they love and mm-hmm. so f- for me it was i wanted to expand uh my brain in mm-hmm. and actually be an all encompassing musician mm-hmm. that understood um the heart things but also the mechanics of mm-hmm. how it all worked mm-hmm. and if i if i looked at you know who i wanted to be like a quincy jones or like somebody like that that's who that's who i modeled myself after mm-hmm. but i mean it's really it's just about defining who you want to be mm-hmm. i mean uh because there there's there's things that um you know, a metal musician doesn't need to know about jazz theory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Like, mm-hmm. it's not, it just, you know, there's, I mean, I'm sure, like, Bob Dylan, <clears throat> like, what does he have? Does he have two things or three? And we can, like, go over all that yeah. and try to analyze. And I don't know. It's just, it's, I think it's whatever you're comfortable with. I, I think two out of three would be awesome mm-hmm. <laughs> three out of three is the best mm-hmm. but yeah. I, I think one out of three is maybe Hurt. maybe you need to work on your maybe find a different well, I mean, vocation if it, right if it, if it starts in your soul then it's it kind of stays it just stays there. there yeah and it goes to your brain mm-hmm. and then it stays there and then it has to go to your fingers yeah. for it to mm-hmm. for you to mm-hmm. even enter into that realm. Dude, if this mm-hmm. isn't an encouragement to actually write this book, I don't know. I don't what know. Yeah, yeah. It's so no, good. seriously, write write the book and then and then come back on the show and let's I'll talk come about back it. On. Yeah. Yes, yeah, for real. Anyway, sorry, but, we don't but, have to talk. But about. that's killer, you know. And I know we're we're we're, we're way over what we had did. Sorry, what we that's had okay. On doing. What happens in these so, kind of conversations? So I mean, we got we, yeah, we, it was great. We had we got we got kind of like carried away on some great topics yeah. and all that, and and that was fantastic. But I, I know you guys gotta gotta probably get going, so we can probably kind of wrap up the show. And you know, it's been uh, it's been a great conversation of just kind of talking about um, talking about a lot of uh, uh, just you know we went everywhere we went off yeah. kind of in the weeds and that was fun that was yeah. good you know I think the takeaways for me and 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 I'm really glad to have this conversation because it's it's very uh, something that I need to keep myself in a conversation like this about just kind of like it's almost like sort of you know just do it kind of like don't overthink it get mm-hmm. into it do it put in the work. Put in the reps, uh, you know. Meet um, people that are better than you. Oh, yeah. Get with them. Yeah. That is the best thing. Yeah. I mean, golly, get you know, babies again. Going back to the language thing, if you put a if you put a baby in a room full of babies, what happens? Not much is gonna happen, they don't yeah. learn anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Put a baby in front of adults, and they start learning English. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're in a garage band. Uh, hopefully there's somebody better than you in the in the garage band. Mm-hmm. If not, you need to get out of the garage mm-hmm. band. If you're the best you're one the best in the room, guy in the room, relocate. Get out. <laughs> and, and really, that's that that should be your your whole thing. If mm-hmm. if you know, huh. get in a room full of people and learn. And or get on YouTube, 
buy your thing, you know, like, (laughs) like learn and be like, learn from people better than you. And that's, that's where you start. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Cool. Killer man. Anything to add? Uh, yeah. I mean, I just think I'm taking away that same thing that you are just get out there and do it. Yeah. Like that's just a beautiful way to approach things. Sort of like get out of your head, get out of your own way. Yeah. And because the real enemy of any productivity or any creativity whatsoever is you're, uh, you just doubting yourself, mm-hmm. you know, right. Or mm-hmm. getting stuck in your own head or overthinking everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm well, like, what do you have to lose? Especially like in Seriously. recording realistically in these days, like you don't, you're not paying $10,000 to be in the studio anymore. Mm-hmm. Like more than likely all of your guys have some sort of at home pro tools, rigor logic mm-hmm. or something or other. And like I joked with one of the guys we were recording today, it was just like, let's just try it. If it sucks, we'll delete it. It's not like we're killing tape. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's not that big. Just try. Yeah. Just try. Mm-hmm. We can all, thank God, <coughs> like modern technology, we can all afford to try now. There's no yeah. excuses. Yeah. Even if you're working a nine to five right. or whatever, well, you've got seven to midnight or right. whatever. Yeah. You know, you get some cans and go to town. Yeah. And we live in a time, luckily, now where it's not like, you know, these, these, these deep fears that we feel and these, these, these anxieties that we feel about, you know, being alienated and being excommunicated from the tribe and then therefore just like, you know, dying alone or being uh, killed by yeah. a saber toothed tiger or whatever. That stuff's not real anymore. We yeah. don't. And, and, and right. that, 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 that's the kind of thing that we feel. Um, just carries over from a time that's just mm-hmm. old that we that's don't, right. that we don't. So knowing that, knowing that if I'm going to, um, show up and try this idea and it flops, that's really all that it means. And it really, all that yeah. it means is that, you know, somebody is going to maybe say something off and eh, it was okay. That, that, that show wasn't so great. Sure. Or yeah, that idea is not certain. The worst that's going to happen is somebody's going to go, I don't like that idea. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you know, totally. the, a you common, know. a common statement that rolls around our staff is like when anybody's having a really stressful day or like you're you know, worried about whatever, there's always like a hand on the shoulder and it's like, man, just remember we're not neurosurgeons. No one dies if we screw up. Nobody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like yeah. for us, cause you know, and Travis, like there's a lot of things that we, this is not on a, on a music front, but like we have to make decisions some sometimes that really affect you, yeah, like in big big ways, mm-hmm. good or bad, yeah. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's like at some point we just have to say like, hey man, we're selling music to people, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. just chill, yeah, it's fine. Mm-hmm. And one of our uh, company models is also to fail. Uh, quickly and cheaply. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so let's not blow it. Let's not it roll cheap. into a million dollars in debt for a studio if you've never done anything with yeah. a studio. Yeah, you know yeah. that would be a bad Garage mistake. Band. Yeah. Great uh, place to start. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like let's fail a lot because the more fails, get to a win. Yeah. And I mean that we failed so many times we can't even count Um, with bad recordings, with bad business ventures. Hmm. Um, But that is a part of the story and each one makes, makes it better. Yeah. And um, that there's a, a really great writer uh, named Seth Godin that writes marketing books and, and y'all read a lot. Yeah. (laughs) It's very inspiring. (laughs) Um, But it it took 850 uh, book, proposals or book rejection proposals before he got to one yes from publishers 
from publishers. Oh, killer. That's, 850. That's he wrote insane. individual letters to each publisher and got a no. And uh, and he's one of the greatest marketing yeah. minds oh, of all man. time. Yeah. Mm. And just think, he if he did that, and he you know he and he said every no I would say okay what was wrong with that one you know and so he would rewrite it and uh, and he would start learning about it and and he and he claims now it took a hundred and eight hundred and fifty to get to that yes yeah and uh, just like it takes you know a hundred two hundred songs to get to one man, gold hit you know man, or on whatever one, on a headier <laughs> level this is like maybe too much but for me with Seth Godin his material. Like, it's kind of important also to remember that you have something to offer the world. Because if Seth would have given up at 300 or 150 letters or 849 letters, yeah. he wouldn't be Seth Godin that we have learned mm -hmm. unbelievable amounts of marketing tax and skills and ideas mm. and all this stuff. Like, he's completely shaped how our company, he doesn't know who we are. We would right. probably never hang out. But he's like had a major hand in how we run our company. Yeah. He has a major hand in how we treat our people. Mm -hmm. All from his blog. He's been consistent. But all going back to that one thing where he didn't give up after those first yeah. 849. Mm -hmm. yeah. He pushed through and he made a huge impact on my life. Mm -hmm. So to me, it's like you have to give yourself some bit of an idea that if you don't quit, what kind of impact could you have on somebody else mm -hmm. or an entire community? Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 It, you, you, yeah, definitely. I, I've, I've had that notion kind of like, look at you, man. Yeah. You're running this show. You're running this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Like you've got listeners, right? There's people listening to us right now on this conversation for the people that are interested in what you have to say in this show, they're winning because you have a passion and a heart. I heard the vision for this podcast last week and it's awesome. And like people are benefiting from this all every, hopefully this reaches further than Nashville. I'm sure it does. Thank you, Internet. Mm -hmm. like, it's so easy yeah. to quit. This is helpful. This is right. value for people. That's yeah. why people, you know, sign up for gym memberships in February, uh, January, and they all quit in March. Yeah. I did know? that. Yeah. yeah, me too, man. Yeah, yeah I've got too. my gym membership in my pocket. <laughs> yeah. You know, and who are the ones that have six-pack abs? The ones that stick through. And it's not yeah. that they're any smarter. Uh, it's just that they didn't quit. Yeah. <laughs> right. You just have a lot, you know, man, like you're really offering the world something because you didn't give up. And, I, like, between the four of us, there's probably close to – 50 years worth of experience behind either behind the glass or in front of the glass mm -hmm. or whatever mm -hmm. on stage. Mm -hmm. And that's a big deal that you're offering people. Mm -hmm. That's, that's a big deal. I think. Yeah. I think that, I think that everybody, I appreciate that. And thank you very much for that, um, yeah. that acknowledgement. And, and I think that, yeah, what I was going to say is I think that everybody, um, has, you know, a, a vision in them and that, that you owe it to the world. People are waiting. People totally. want, people mm. want. And yep. I, and I had that, I actually kind of last summer had that experience firsthand that it really kind of hit me before. And I almost was, it, it was this moment that I needed to, I needed to experience because I'd kind of, I don't know, maybe checked out on it. And I had kind of, um, was taking sort of certain things for granted, you know, and, 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 and then suddenly I just kind of had this experience that it flipped it on its head and it was just all about like, oh, like this isn't really about me so mm -hmm. much as about me creating something for other people that, that they're waiting for. And I owe it to them. I need, they're waiting for me to show up with this thing and I need to deliver that to them. And yep. yeah, man, that's awesome. Well, let's, let's that. end it there. This yeah. has been a powerful yeah. conversation when I think we, you know, we, we went everywhere and we, we talked about some great stuff and I, I loved it. And I, I you know, I want to acknowledge you guys for your passion and your creativity and, and you know, your world-class ideas 
and uh, thought-provoking uh, uh, <laughs> ethos about yourself. And, and thanks for coming on the show and bringing that on the show. And, yeah, man. Thanks and, for and, having and, us. Yeah. Yes. Honestly, Thank it's you. an honor. Awesome. <clears throat> Appreciate that. It's really cool. Well, likewise. So awesome. Um, yeah, it's been such a great conversation. We'll have to continue. Let's call it. Let's let's put a pin in that to be continued. Yeah. You guys okay. uh, come hang out more, man, and I'm and have it. more great conversations. There's a lot that we can that we can talk about. So we'll do. That's awesome. Cool. Thank um, you so much. I'm gonna um, I'm gonna say a couple of things in the show, and hopefully won't have a dropout this time. And then uh, we will. Um, we will uh, play the song, play uh, play the show out with a final song um, from Stephen Keach. Yes, sir. Um, so awesome! That's it for episode forty-seven. Uh, I had to think about that for a second. That's it for episode forty-seven of the Modern Recorders. Thank you guys for listening. As always, it's awesome. We've got a growing tribe on this podcast, growing tribe of of all you Modern Recorders out there. And uh, it's amazing. It's fun. And uh, we're having a blast. And I really appreciate you guys for coming on and making this show everything that it is. And uh, um, yeah, make sure you get subscribed and stay subscribed. Uh, There's two main ways to do that. One is to go to my website, put your email in my email sign-up form, and I will make sure you never miss an episode of this podcast. The other way, if you're more of an iTunes person, uh, you can jump onto iTunes, you can use your podcast app, search for The Modern Recordist on iTunes, and click that subscribe button. While you're on iTunes, make sure you take just 60 seconds or less to leave a rating and review, good and honest ratings and reviews, Uh, cue people to the value that this show provides and uh, lets you lets people know how much you're getting out of this show. And it's important because uh, that way we know how to continue to create great content and uh, bring on guests that you find valuable. And uh, lastly, if you got something out of this episode and you know a friend or three that would also get something out of this episode, uh, let them know. Send a uh, text message or a tweet, or an email, or a Facebook post, and let them know how much value you're getting out of this show. All right, that is it for this week. There's more for you next week. And in the meantime, go live your life of an extraordinary artistic visionary and create something impactful in the world.